What's up, guys? Welcome up to another episode hey. of Elite Physique University. Um, hey. This week, we're talking all about diet breaks. Um, so we have on William Grazione from The Educated Dieter. Um, he is really well known for diet breaks, um, the research coming in from this. Um, so we wanted to get right down to the person who kind of brought all this about in the industry. Um, so this is going to be a really good talk. Um, but first, of course, we always have to catch up how things are going. Um, I was just talking about how it was so cold up here in North Dakota, like three degrees and Jason's over there with t-shirt on and walking outside in the sunshine. Well, there's no sunshine, but it is 55 and it has been 55 all week. So <laughs> I, I'll take it. Well it's better played. than three. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So Jason, how's it going? Um, I know you were just talking about getting your app ready. Yeah. You know, uh, we're working on that. Um, I got... I'm hoping it launches by March. Um, that'll be like a way for people to take my introduction to a uh, functional nutrition course and do it on their own time. And probably, you know, it'll be a little bit lower price point. I'll still do some lives as well. Um, that one will be a little bit more expensive, um, but it'll be a way to touch more people, which is what I'm trying to do with this to just improve the industry. So yeah, I have that going on. Um, other than that, like this weekend, um, I was in Indianapolis, my 18 year old, well, he turned 18. So we went and took him for dinner uh, at a nice uh, restaurant, uh, Ocean Prime, and then watched soccer games out in the cold. Um, I don't know why they do this. When I was a soccer player coming up, once December hit, you played indoor. And if you didn't want to play indoor, you didn't play. And these freaking coaches, and I, I don't know what it is. Maybe we're trying to catch the other teams in the World Cup and it's it's not working. But we have our boys out, girls out here playing soccer till December 30th. And then they take a break for January and February and they're back out and in March. And it still sucks here in March. Like it really doesn't wake up from February weather till mid, late March. So anyways, I was out freezing my ass off at fields uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um Business-wise, I'm you know I'm kind of breaking even this month. I think like I've lost some clients due to financial hardship. Some just you know feel better and they they're going to go on their own way. Um, but I've signed some too, so it's kind of like an even for me. Um, have a few calls coming up on Thursday, so that's always good. Um, Business-wise, the HRT clinic is absolutely killing it. Um, if we continue at the months we're doing, we'll already be a seven-figure business, and we we did that in nine months. Um, so it's really kicking ass. Um, I hope that everyone's getting good service and, and liking it. And if there is issues, they're letting us know. Um, so I guess that's about it. That's a pretty good update for a week. Um, yeah, uh, I, I have also signed a few clients this month. Um, so I'm like netting, like gaining clients, which is great because usually December we always see stuff drop off. Um, so I've had about three new clients this month. Um, I have another call tomorrow. So I'm really excited about that. Um, it's nice to see things going up and I just want to keep that going for this month. Um, I announced my next uh, free webinar that I'm going to do. So I had a lot of really good feedback from the cortisol and hormones webinar that I did. So I'm going to host another one uh, January 8th at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, and I already have like, 12 or 12 to 15 registered for that so far. So um, if you, when you guys are listening to this one, um, check it out. There might be a few spots left and just going to keep hoping to do more of those. Um, we went to my sister's this weekend uh, for like our family, like Christmas 
Thanksgiving all together because we're all like so busy, have our own families that we just do it all in one. And we're like, all right, we're good to go. And that was fun. So my niece and nephew are super cute. Um, They're little like one. Annika just turned one and Declan is going to be three. Yeah, he's going to be three in March. So they have all kinds of fun and stuff. Um, So it's fun to see them and, and my family and stuff. So so yeah, that was about it. Busy month though. Um, but getting into our episode for today, like, Will, first of all, like, how's it going? How, what have you been up to so far? Yeah. Thanks so much for the introduction. Uh, everything's been really, really good for me. Uh, last night, my wife and I were just looking at places we want a vacation in January. So that'll be nice. Obviously, for those who don't know, I am married. I have four children uh, and we have been on a quest to find my kids some dang snow uh, every winter. So that's going to be our goal this year. Uh, I just got back from Scottsdale, Arizona, um, flew out there for a couple day event hosted by some friends of mine, Aaron Diamond, Jordan Duggar. Uh, Jordan called me up about a week ahead of time and he's like, hey, bro, can you make it out? I'd love to see you. So I made it happen and uh, was actually able to connect with some clients, some mentees, um, and then also reconnect with Aaron and Jordan. So it's been a couple of years since I've had the opportunity to see them. Um, And, you know, every time you travel, you get to network, you get to talk to people and it kind of like reignites your flame. You know what I mean? Um, In terms of business. So uh, November, I believe, was our best month ever, which was that's obviously incredible. You know, um, I personally decided to bring on some new clients. I hadn't accepted any new clients in a while. So uh, beginning of December, I decided to start up five new clients and then basically kind of slowing my stuff down and going to be focusing on the growth and the development of my team uh, coming up here, probably within the next quarter, uh, two quarters. And uh, yeah, that's about what's going on with me. for those, obviously, this is Elite Physique University. So uh, I am in a fat loss phase right now, trying to get down about another three and a half, four pounds, and it'll be about 180. Um, and from that point in time, I believe I would think I would like to do a photo shoot just to show off the work because I haven't been down this lean in quite a long time. Um, and I'm proud of that, obviously, being a father of four kids. It's like, it's not easy to do, right? But at the end of the day, it's always possible. And I want to show our clients and um, you know the people that follow me on social media that there's no excuse you know, I love that. That's, that's crazy. Having four kids. Like I see my, my niece and nephew and like, they're a lot. And like, even my two dogs, like they're a lot to handle. So four, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, uh, being married to a woman like my wife, she makes it a lot, a lot easier on me. Right. It's all about teamwork. Otherwise we would not be able to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, well, if you for those of you that don't know too, Will is actually a natural pro bodybuilder. Um, so he's worked a lot with um, physique clients, um, lifestyle clients, things like that. And we really want to talk about diet breaks for this episode. Um, so he's one of the coaches that brought it to the forefront of the industry, um, has done research in it and things like that. So I guess getting into it, can you just define for our listeners, like what a diet break is and how it's different from like your typical refeed day or cheat meal? Yeah, sure. So by definition, a diet break is basically just a predetermined break in the diet, as simple as that might sound. Uh, What essentially this can do is it provides the athlete or the client, they already know this thing is coming. Um, In my opinion, one of the worst mistakes people can make is that they're like, oh, shit. I need to use this because I feel this way. If you gotten to that point, chances are it's a little bit yep. too late. So <laughs> I do like to plan these things out. And the way that I like to discuss this is thinking about professional athletes, right? So I played football, uh, little league, high school, college. And when I graduated, I was like, all right, I'm going to become a pro natural bodybuilder. 
Um, little to my finding out, uh, I didn't know that nobody believed in having a break in bodybuilding. <laughs> it was like zero to a hundred. It's just your, your contest prepping the entire time. Uh, you get on stage. If you happen to be wore out, depleted, whatever, so be it. Uh, but what I decided to do over the course of time, and it took me about four years to stumble upon what I would find and ultimately kind of name it a diet break, um, was I decided that in the NFL, as a professional athlete, they always have a halftime, right? Mm -hmm. But in the sport of bodybuilding, nobody believed in halftimes. And so what I started to do with my athletes uh, was I started to create this predetermined break in the diet about halfway through, right? And that is how I would define a diet break. Um I suppose as a coach, I think what this allows us to do, similarly to if you're maybe a fan of the NFL or you watch football, it allows you to actually reflect, okay? So first and foremost, it allows you, the athlete or the client, to be able to say, hey, coach, what's working? Hey, coach, is anything hurt? Do you have any injuries? Any inflammation? Any injured hips? Any back soreness? Anything I need to know about? Maybe you're having slow bowels. Uh, maybe it's like a mindset thing where like dietary adherence is starting to become an issue. Maybe you're starting to experience sleep irregularities or sleep disturbances, or maybe in all fairness, you just need to rehydrate, refuel, uh, and maybe take some stress that's been accumulating over the last 12 weeks of prep off the system. And so what I decided to do was basically create the system that allowed us to do all of the things that my football coaches in college would do for us every single game. Nice. I, that was a really good explanation. Um, I know it's something that like Jason and I also implement in with our clients too. Um, but it's nice to hear like a definition of it, exactly what it is. Um, and I know it's definitely helpful for clients as well. So um, going into like the research side of it. So we like to use like research as well as like anecdotal evidence, of course, um, and a little bit of bro science, as John would say. He's not here with us today, but. Um, <laughs> I miss John. Yeah. <laughs> I know he's bummed he couldn't make it today. Um, but going into the research, um, what kind of research led into this um, or came out of this? Um, and what has that showed um, for client yeah. results? So I think the audience would probably find it more interesting if I rewind back to 2014, because, you know, back then there really wasn't a lot of us around. Um, and that's really where I got the idea for it. So it was 2014. Um, I had turned professional in 2010 and then again in 2012, and I was already full-time contest prep coach by 2014. Um, and what I noticed was the same things that I just, that I just mentioned, you know, clients would start to talk to me more. I was very friendly with my clients. I'd ask them how they're feeling because going through it yourself, you know, there's a, a big question of conversation like can you relate to a bodybuilder if you actually haven't been in the nitty-gritty of prep before right like can a coach be a phenomenal coach if they've never been in the trenches before and so i just started to ask them questions the same questions that i would ask myself because i'm like if i'm feeling flat i feel like i got injuries i feel like my hips are always sore can't squat heavy like i had all these issues my sleep sucked are my clients experiencing the same things right and so what I decided to do is I said, all right, I was already using a single day refeed, right? And I would have a single day refeed. And I'm like, well, it makes me feel better, but for a very short period of time. And I think if you evaluate the research, 24-hour refeed's only been shown to stimulate leptin for about six to eight hours, right? So obviously we know that's not enough, but it will kind of, in essence, resaturate muscle bellies and make you feel fuller, right? But what I ended up finding was a 48-hour refeed. And I just happened to experiment with it. Cause I was like, if one makes me feel this good, what's two going to do? 
I did that and I got even fuller, filled back out even more, had more energy. And I'm like, oh, I feel like I like I'm refreshed now. Now, I actually happened in 2014 to find a piece of literature. Uh, I don't recall the exact. So please don't quote, quote me on this. Um, but what it basically stated was that a 72 hour hypo um, or hypercaloric diet allowed a stimulation of FSH and LH. So follicle stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone in females. Okay. And at the time I was already noticing that a lot of my natural women, because I only coached natural women and men that wanted to turn pro as a natural bodybuilder. And so I was already starting to notice that women were losing their cycles. You know, they were, um, you know, essentially complaining that they hadn't had a period. So I started to ask some of my former colleagues that I was involved in with, and I'm like, Hey man, like what's going on here? What can I do to prevent this? And they're like, Oh, it just comes with the territory. Right. So it's like, slowing down of bowel motility, um, the plateaus, right? Them losing their cycle. Oh, Will, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And about 2015, I had accumulated enough data by as simple as this sounds, I made a Word doc. And the Word doc was pre-diet break and it was post-diet break. I send it to my contest prep clients. And I say, hey, we're about to use a diet break. I want you to tell me exactly how you feel right now. Right. And at the time, it wasn't as refined as I'm speaking to, to you about. It was more like, if you're feeling this way, let's do something about it. Because I was thinking, I'm like, all right, I'm tired as hell. It's the end of the second quarter. Maybe I like I twisted my ankle or something. Right? What am I going to do to get back on the field to finish the game strong? And so when I would have my athletes complete this word doc, I'd ask them, you know, how are their energy, how their sleep was, their strength, their muscular endurance whether they felt like their body was still working with them or if it felt like they're working against them and all these things. And then I get the responses and then I provide them. It started with just three days. So I was like, well, let's see what three days does. And then I said, well, three days working so good. Let's just make it four and then let's make it five and then let's make it six. And then it, it eventually turned into a full on basically week where we could take a step back and we could do everything that I discussed in the first question that you asked me, right? We're basically, we're reevaluating. We are taking a look back at our body of work that we've accumulated over the last 12 weeks, which would be a halfway point in the prep, you know, and we're looking at that and we're saying what's worked, what hasn't, we're going to keep what's working. We're going to kind of throw away what's not, not working and we're going to continue on. Um, and so when I would get these word docs back after five, six or seven days, everybody was better. They felt better and more energy. Oh my God, coach, this is, this is amazing. You know, and I'm like, okay, well, there's something here. Right. So then it was at that point in time, I started to convince some of my colleagues. I'm like, hey, guys, look, I found something. I don't know what it is. I don't even know what to call it, but I found something. I think you should use it. And they're like, no, research hasn't shown it yet. I'm not going to do it, blah, blah, blah. So I decided to continue to use them. Now, what I noticed was not only using diet breaks, but using multiple day refeeds from 2015, 16, 17. What I actually noticed was that a lot of my female clients, because again, I only coach natural women and men was that they would keep their cycles for longer durations of time during the preps, right? So normal where they, they were losing them, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 weeks out. I was having women that wouldn't even lose their cycle at all. Like, as a matter of fact, I just got done prepping a gal. She's, she's young, 19 years old, um, and she didn't lose her period at all. And we actually implemented basically two high carb days per week. We implemented two different diet breaks because she ended up having to lose about 30 pounds Right. And for a young gal, I didn't want to force that much stress on her because I didn't want to shut down her reproductive system. I wanted to keep her healthy and prep ended up going phenomenal. So um, I think that's basically how it all started. The origin story of it. I found one piece of literature and I went in on it and I wanted to figure out what I could create to better serve my clients because that's really what it's all been about the entire time is 
what can I do to help my clients? Um, and even now, if you look back, there's a YouTube video uh, that I made in 2015 that says how to use a diet break. Um, and I was very happy I found it because in all fairness, my athletes started showing up better to competition, right? If they had previous experience working with another coach, I was getting them leaner than that coach would. And that coach would ultimately like push them harder than I was. I wasn't pushing them as hard, but I think because we kept the system fresh, we could keep progress coming and we weren't hitting as many plateaus. Sorry, I was just I have a couple questions. Push. Do you want me to wait now or do it or, or wait or do it now? Go ahead. Shoot them. I don't know if we're, this is taking us out of our outline or whatever. I just shoot off the hip. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the nitty gritty of it because, I mean, I do this same thing. So um, I want to know, what do you do with their carbs? Is there a typical bump that you do? Like, okay, general female gets 60 extra, general male gets 80, whatever. Or are you seeking 200 calories above maintenance? What are you doing with their training? Is it no training? Is it pulling back RPE? What are you doing with their cardio? Do you allow them to still walk? Do you pull hit? Do you leave hit? What do you do? Just like, what are you, do you give any extra advice on sleep? Do you want them? Uh, you probably don't do list because it doesn't show research or fasted list, but I do it. So are you pulling any of that stuff back? Um, yeah, I think that covers it. Yeah, no, it's all good, man. I love your style straight to it. You know, obviously I had you on our podcast and I really appreciate the value mm -hmm. that you provided on there. So be more than happy. Um, so looking at the nitty gritty and if we could kind of understand that first and foremost, we have to consider the context of the situation. I'm not going to jump on here and say diet breaks are amazing for everybody because the truth is you have to have something to recover from, right? Yeah. If you're somebody that's got a ton of weight to lose, chances are you could get by not you losing one for a very long time, unless you're at the point where you're like, look, calories are getting kind of low, borderline adherence. I feel like I want to go grab like eight cheeseburgers. What can I do to be able to be proactive in this environment? So um, I'll give you a step-by-step -step process of essentially how I oftentimes will implement this and uh, we'll go from there. So number one, whatever the low day carbohydrates are, typically I'm increasing those by 75 to hundred percent of whatever the low day carbs are. Now that's also with the mindset that I typically... You know, for, for most people try not to take carbs under a hundred grams, unless I absolutely have to, right? Like there are times where I have to go very, very low, uh, but for the most, most cases I'm adding at least 75 to a hundred, maybe sometimes even up to 150 grams of carbohydrates during that break. Okay. Yeah. Um, basically the idea of adding them back in is to refill the energy gap. It's what I want to do. Just want to refill the gap. That's it. Uh, I've noticed that if I don't go aggressive enough, not much happens. I've also noticed that if I go too much, typically it's kind of the same. It's like, and now we have to basically bail water. We have to basically get that extra glucose out of the way before we can continuously start to make progress. Uh, what I'll also do is I'll typically reduce volume, uh, overall training volumes by about 25%. So just as an example, if I had an athlete doing, you know, three, four sets of a specific exercise, I'll probably back them down to two or three total sets for that exercise versus that higher volume option. Um, usually avoiding uh, complete failure and stopping at maybe like an eight RPE somewhere around there. Again, most of the time these people at, you know, what they were, I was experiencing was they're training so hard. I mean, these are elite natural athletes they are training so hard that they get to where they're about 12 weeks in, maybe dropped about 20 pounds. And they start to complain that, oh, my, my hips kind of aching me, my shoulders a little beat up, my elbow, whatever. So I would reduce uh, the volume, but I would keep the intensity pretty darn high because I didn't want to lose that neurological stimulation to the muscle. Um, because the research actually shows inside of the strength and conditioning world that like even stopping resistance exercise or feeling tension for 10 
uh, about 10 days, you can lose about 10, 10% of your strength. So I never wanted to take the intensity away. Um, as far as cardio, I would typically just take away any hit. I take a typically take away things like miss and I would promote just like lists. Um, never really was into doing fasted lists like, like Jason does, uh, but I would just promote a, probably a 10, 15 minute walk before working out and a 10, 15 minute walk after you're done training as well. So it's kind of like the ramp up train and then cool down afterwards. Um, as far as encouraging sleep quality. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so at the time back then there wasn't as much of a push in supplementation, um, I just noticed that a lot of the athletes that were starting to struggle, maybe it's a woman and her cortisol is get, getting high and progesterone's coming down. And like, she's like, oh, I can't really sleep all that great. I'm waking up in the middle of the night. Cause keep in mind, this is far before the time of aura rings and sleep trackers and all that yeah. stuff. Um, so I would just be like, Hey, what time do you normally go to bed? And she'd be like, Oh, I stay up late watching TV shows. I'm like, okay, we'll go to bed at 10. Like, what time do you wake up tomorrow? She's like, Oh, well, I usually sleep in a little bit. I'm like, wake up, sleep eight hours, wake up and get your routine going. Um, and then now with supplementation and all of the, you know, a lot of the amazing information that's coming out to help people internally. Uh, now we use things like chase berry, ashwagandha, magnesium, and those types of things to kind of calm the system during a time where we are implementing a break. So does that help answer Definitely. the question, Jay? Definitely. All right, cool. Yeah, that was honestly like the next like few questions we had was the logistics. So um, that was perfect. Um, so how about we go into explaining like differences that you do between like males and females, natty versus enhanced, you know, would you use more or less diet breaks throughout a prep and like not even with a prep even with lifestyle clients too? like, what does that changes look like? Yeah. So I think in many cases, the thing we always have to be mindful of, because I know we're in a world right now where it's like, Hey, just simplify this, break it down as simple as possible and give it to me in 60 seconds. Right. Um, but I do believe that context is something that in many cases cannot be overlooked. Right. We work with a lot of different customers. We work with a lot of different clients. Now, back in back in the time when I basically created this proverbial break, um, I was predominantly working with natural bodybuilders, like 90 percent of my roster. Their goal was I'm on a quest for a pro card coach. That's why I hired you. Right. Uh, now it's a bit different, but I will say that context is key. So whether it be male, female, um, whether it be natty versus enhanced, um, in all fairness, out of respect for anybody listening to this show, I'm not going to jump on that because I haven't touched an enhanced bodybuilder before. Uh, everything that I can come from is a, from a position of being a natural bodybuilding coach. So I won't really touch that. Um, then obviously we talk about whether or not we're you know thinking about fixing hormones. Um, so if we analyze this in kind of like a N of one scenario, mm -hmm. um, I think there's just too many options to talk about. So what I'll say to kind of generalize things is I think all physique athletes that are natural, um, specifically the females, um, do need or should use a diet break at some point in time, again, just as a halftime. Um, these people that are partaking on these endeavors where we know that thyroid hormones, sex hormones, and whole myriad of metabolic hormones are going to be compromised when we're pushing them so hard. I think there has to be something that they can kind of look forward to, to be able to say, Hey, I'm going to push hard for 12 weeks. I'm going to break for two. I'm going to reset. I'm going to do all the stuff. Will said earlier on in the podcast about talking to my coach, figuring out what's working, you know, kind of working through any injuries I have, adjusting the training program, adjusting the macros, whatever I need to do. And then I got three months left. And I'm going to give it everything I got. Uh, so I think that a natural athlete should have some type of break there um, in the middle. Now, even on the enhanced side, though, if you feel like psychologically it would help you, 
what's the big deal? Add two more weeks to your prep, right? At least you can recover. At least you can maybe, in essence, refill muscle glycogen so that when you get back in the gym, you're not losing strength. You don't feel flat all the time. You actually kind of can remain full. Um, and I'll also mention that for natural bodybuilders, I used to always carb cycle at the same time I would be using diet breaks. So if, you know, when they were, had more adipose tissue, maybe one high day every, every week, as they got leaner, I'd go to like two. And then sometimes when they got super shredded, I'd actually start to diet them less. So I would go to like uh, four low days and three high days. And for whatever reason, I think it's just because you're like stimulating the metabolism at the same time, you can basically keep them healthier. Um, so that's what I think one should do if you're a wherever you are, young, amateur, professional, natural bodybuilder, I think it's needed. Um, I first stumbled upon kind of a correlation here uh, when Dr. Pete Fitchin, massive respect to these guys, Dr. Pete Fishin, and uh, I believe he's a doctor, uh, Chris Foz, they had presented on some blood work that they both had done during their competition preparations. And I think this was, I don't want to butcher this, uh, but I was an attendee at one of Lane Norton's camps. I think it was 2014, maybe 15. And they presented this data and Pete said his testosterone went from like a five, 600 down to under a hundred. And Chris was a naturally more muscular guy. So I, I assumed his testosterone was higher. And I think again, I hope I don't picture this, but his number was higher than Pete's and it didn't get down as low as Pete's, but it still was 75% lower than it was at the start. Right. And so this obviously was very intriguing to me because I always wondered, I'm like, I'm, Three weeks out, I don't even look at my girlfriend anymore. Like, what's going on here? Why is this happening? Right. And so I do think that there is a lot of utility to being able to have a tool as a coach. If you see something potentially happening with a contest prep client, hey, let's not be reactive here. I don't want you getting hurt. I don't want you getting sick. I don't want you, you know, bowel problems, sleep problems, all these things. Let's just be proactive here and implement this. The only thing you got to do is give me two extra weeks. Really not that big of a deal. Are you in? Yeah. So in a 16 week prep or a 20 week prep, you're you usually just do two of them. Just add, just add a two week break in the middle. Yeah. Oh, uh, so you do a full 14 days. Yeah. So if I think that they, so it started as seven. Mm-hmm. Now it eventually went on to becoming whatever you want it to become in all fairness. Uh, this is why I think coaching in and of itself is such an art form is because you can manipulate it. You can listen to the biofeedback. You could contort it, adjust it, however you want to create it. It's yours. That's your body of work. That's something that you designed for that specific individual. So while some people, I'd be like, you only need a week. Some other people with women, I'd like to be safe. And I'd give them like two weeks, 10 to 14 days. But then I also had it, Jason, where I had them ready so early. I said, we're just going to go into a diet break and I'm not even going to diet you. Then you're going to go to nationals and you're going to win your pro card at nationals. I remember I had a a female client that I was coaching that won uh, her bikini pro card at nationals. And um, I did not lower her calories for i think eight weeks before the show i remember i drove drove down there and she goes well i don't even feel like i'm I'm in prep i don't feel like i'm dieting i don't feel like she was training five days a week really wasn't doing much cardio besides a warm-up and a cool cool down and she maintained that look and just kind of filled out as she went into nationals and it was everything she needed to turn pro you know what i mean so um again i think coaching in and of itself is something that's beautiful and the fact that you can create it however you want to create it as long as you're achieving phenomenal results with customers and your customers are happy the way that i do things or the way that coach kayla or coach jason the way that we all do things may be a little bit different but at the end of the day look at our client feedback like we're crushing it right so um 
but yeah, that's, I guess how I approach it with like a natural athlete. Um, and again, I guess I'll reiterate on the fact that if you're somebody that has a lot of fat to lose, um, or you're even somebody 40, 50, 60 pounds or whatever, there's really no reason to think you have to use a diet break unless just from an adherence perspective, like vacations, it's vacation season, right? We just got done with Thanksgiving. People have got Christmas coming up. And if there's personally trying to stay in a fat loss phase during this time, then I'll say, let's use a break. I'll be like, all right, so what do I do? I'll just, we increase your carbohydrates. Can you adhere to this while you travel to Hawaii and then come back? Yeah, absolutely. It makes it a lot easier on me. Perfect. So then what I noticed was when people were coming back, they were like the same weight, you know? And I'm like, well, this is great because now I don't have to worry about you traveling there to binge or whatever. Um, a tip of advice that I would give though, is if you are going to implement something like that, do it a couple of days before they leave. That way they get, they get all those feelings of wanting to kind of overeat out of the system. And then when they go travel psychologically, they're in such a good place because they're like, I got 250 carbs, 300 carbs. I can follow this easy. No problem. Um, so yeah, I guess that would summarize maybe a gen pop benefit, uh, from a psychological perspective and then more of the physiological psychological for a natural bodybuilder. Do you ever do it uh, more often? Like for me, if I have females that have proven time and time again, yeah. you know, their, their, their labs are just going to be piss poor. Yeah. I'll do like four week pushes in one week where I pretty much pull everything back up the carbs, lower the cardio. Mm -hmm. And then we go back at it in four weeks. My theory on it is that <clears throat> kind of like you said earlier, I want to hit this before they start to feel bad. And with these clients who have proven time and time again, how poor their labs look after a diet phase. Um, I don't even want to get near um, it. And so I, I do schedule these and it's just, this is what we do. Uh, yeah. So have you ever done anything like that? Or do you just kind of stick to the 14 in the middle of, you know, the weeks? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so a couple of years ago when I made my education course called the art of female fat loss, um, I remember specifically programming in basically I would take my, the diet break idea. And I'm like, all right, when do you start to feel this way? Let's protect the cycle. But again, I, I typically used to do it during times where I, I knew kind of energy availability was already kind of low. Right. Um, and in essence, I just said that we're going to take the same concept, same exact thing I just talked to you all about, and we're going to put it about three, four days before you start your first sign of bleeding, and then three, four days into it, and we're going to do that every month. How's that sound? You'd be like, oh my God, it's fantastic because I don't feel like I'm fighting against my body. Now I feel like I'm working with it, right? Like how many times have, have, have you heard, oh, coach, my macros are getting really hard to be able to adhere to. I got all these cravings, you know, and they're only like three, four days out from having a cycle. Right. So I said, all right, well, why don't we just increase your car carbohydrates during this time? Let's make it work. And I said, all right, fine. And then the immediate feedback that I would get was like, oh my gosh, it was fantastic because I didn't feel like I had all these cravings anymore. Right. So, and I also think too, um, during that time, it's important to protect the hormones as well. Right. <clears throat> so like if you are in a calorie deficit and you're accumulating stress over the course of those three weeks that Jason alluded to, you know, when you're in a deficit and so on, Again, being proactive in that and saying, all right, I'm going to do three weeks on, we're going to push it hard, and then we're going to take one, one week back, I think is brilliant. Good deal. Yeah. I was going to touch on that because I know 
that's how Jason does it because that's what I do. Um, mm-hmm. It's like four weeks on one week off because I'm very cortisol driven. Um, you mm-hmm. guys who all listen to this know that. Um, so, and if I found that it really works for me really well um, because yeah, tell me to pull yeah. back on training. I'm just going to keep training hard because I love to train. <laughs> yeah. That's so, kind of how the thing started. Honestly, Kayla was like, I realized that there was an issue going on. And that was when I found 2014 relative energy deficiency in sport, which was formerly the female athlete triad. And then I saw that FSH LH surge after 72 hours of refeeding. I'm like, Whoa, what is that? I got to use it. This is something I have to figure this out. Cause I mean, even back then, like 70% of my roster was women, you know? So if I didn't do it, who was going to do it? You know? Right. And if I saw a problem and I was addressing it to everybody that I knew and nobody seemed to care at all, I'm like, no, there's something here. Um, and I distinctly remember that next year uh, was the first year where I basically started to help women repair their cycles. And I think I helped like 40 women repair their cycles over the course of that year. And I was like, there's something here. I don't know what it is. And lo and behold, a couple of years later, I would stumble upon some of the work that Jason and Vince were doing. And it was like all the dots just went. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes together, right? That's it. Um, That's it. So, so now like, what about after the diet break like do you just drop calories right back down do you drop them more do you make them do more cardio because you know i think some people can either like expect to either maintain or even go up a couple pounds with like having a diet break for one to two weeks um so how what does that look like yeah so normally my process is pretty simple um if the individual was plateaued before the diet break it wouldn't make sense to just go right back to the same macros. In a sense, I've basically learned, I always go a little bit more aggressive than where they stopped, okay? I always go a little bit more aggressive than where they were when they stopped, okay? I always go, sorry, you're gonna have to edit this out. Uh, my, all, all my kids literally just ran in at the same time. Um, <laughs> so, me all the time, it's fine. <laughs> a little bit. Okay, honey, I'll see you in a little bit. (laughs) You're good. (laughs) Maddox does that crap to me too. Uh, I think I've heard him come in a couple of times. I'm just like, dad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, That's okay. It's cute. (laughs) Okay, let me me go ahead and recompose myself here. (laughs) Um, So basically what I would do, I don't think you really have two options. If the individual was plateaued on the way down, and that's essentially the reason why you're using the break to kind of re-stimulate things, uh, then I think that returning back to that would not necessarily be advantageous because the physiology has already shown you that it's basically plateaued at that point. However, I will say this, that I have returned back to that before and they keep losing. So what I decided to do was I'm not batting perfectly here. Some people do respond, some people don't. So then what I did was I said, whatever they're doing that they plateaued on, I'm just going to reduce maybe five grams of fat and maybe reduce by maybe 15 more grams of carbohydrates. And then we'll start there as a new low. And typically there's an immediate drop and they just keep on responding really, really well. So those are the two options that I typically use and see the most. Um, and I think that has probably the most utility and or value to the audience tuned into this because i know i get that question a lot it's like well you use the break so then what do you do 
It's like, well, we have to keep oxidizing body fat as long as that's your goal, right? If we're at the halfway point or maybe you've lost 10 pounds and you need to lose 20 or whatever it is, many people want to keep dropping after that. So therefore, I think a very subtle drop, five grams of fat, 15 grams of carbs provides enough bump just to make sure you are in a deficit and you can basically ride the wave of using the break. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Sense. Do you have any other questions on that before we go on? No, I I kind of have done a lot of the same similar things. Um, you know, after like <clears throat> like sometimes I've taken as small as like three days in the middle of a prep, um, and as soon as they come out of it, I'll drop carbs um, lower than they were when they went into it because you know leptin should be sped up, should be increased, and you know thyroid hormones should come back. So you figure you cut a little out, you're going to get a nice quick whoosh of, of fat loss, like, like instantly. So I totally agree with that. And I think it's a good, a good way to do it. Mm -hmm. I guess like a question that I have, and like for, for both of you too, would be like, when do you determine to use like a diet break versus just like a refeed day? Um, Cause I know like, you know, or can you just do both of them? You know, what, what do you think about that? I politely allow Jason to go first if he wants to. Sure. I mean, I think it goes back to the definition, you know, what Will said, diet breaks are planned, right? So Kayla, you and I uh, take one every fifth week, okay. right? Well, let's say at week three, you're, you're, you know, 12 weeks into prep, uh, but you, of your, of your four week block, you're on week three and you're not dropping. And maybe you didn't drop last week. I've pulled, I've pulled. Well, I might give you a two or three days there where I, you know, spike you up, but then try to get you going for that final week uh, rather than, so the diet breaks more of a plan thing. And then these are more of like, you're reading biofeedback as you're going and you're trying to get the body moving. So that's, you know, one of my tricks. I pull cardio down, I have people sleep more, give them some extra carbs. Uh, might even pull training and then right back to it uh, with a little bit less food, probably usually. Um, so that's how I see it. Um, I don't know if Will sees it differently. Yeah, no, I agree with a lot of the similar things. Um, I believe kind of I'm always using a carb cycle in some degree, right? right. Whether that be if I'm helping, um, <clears throat> just throw this out there, whether I'm helping a woman that started with us around 300 pounds, right? And she's trying to get under 200 pounds or whether I'm helping a dad that's 50 pounds overweight, try to get down to you know maybe 200 pounds or whether I, regardless of who I'm working with, I'm typically always using some modality of a carbohydrate cycle. So whether that's 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, or a full on break, it's just predicated more so on my personal interaction one on one with that individual, and what I feel like they need to stay adherent and compliant to essentially what I'm asking them to do. Right. So everybody's different in that regard. I just see, I just see all this stuff guys as tools. I'm like, the biggest thing is adherence and keeping you on track. What do I need to do to keep you on track? Right. If, you know, if they start to elicit their experience, some negative feedback and they start to tell me that they're hungry and they're starving and they got all these craving stuff, I'm going to listen. Right. right. Because I don't want to get to the point where I'm like, Oh, you know, you messed up. You're, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'd rather be as proactive as possible. Right. Right. I think that goes for, for all of us coaches. We try to prevent before it goes down the hole and then you're, you're screwed basically. So you, you um, should, but obviously we all know that there's a lot of people out there in the industry that would just push you as hard as they could possibly push you oh, for yeah. as long as they could possibly push you. And then you're 
you're burned out and you're like, how come I'm not responding mm -hmm. anymore? You know? So yep. um, for all those individuals, you need to change ASAP. Yes. And that's what, you know, a lot of us here, like learning the functional health, like Jason doing his classes, like you're doing your um, education as well for people, you know, to better educate coaches, coaches, because there's just not a, a standard out there. So, um, but yeah, this was really, really helpful. I think for our listeners, um, I'm going to uh, connect the, the YouTube video down in the show notes. Um, otherwise like, will like, where can people find you? Like, what's the best way to get a hold of you if they have more questions or any courses you have coming up? Sure. Easy enough. Um, so our website is the educated Uh, my Instagram is at William underscore Grazione. Uh, I am on YouTube. I have a podcast. Hey coach radio. Um, if anybody directly from the podcast wants to correct, connect with me directly, it would be William at the educated Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. And uh, we'll have to chat again in the future. Otherwise, uh, we're out, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah.